0: Will you turn with me to Exodus chapter 33, Exodus chapter 33, we'll be looking at verses 7 through 11 this morning. Lord, what a blessing it is to have this place where we can gather freely. We ask your blessing now as we turn our attention to your word. I pray that we would understand clearly. And I pray, Lord, that we would transfer that understanding into obedience in the way we live our lives. your blessing upon this time in Jesus' name, amen. So we are studying the life of Moses here on Sunday mornings, we're following his life, his story from his birth to growing up in Egypt, to the mistake he made in Egypt, to his 40 years of isolation in the wilderness, to the burning bush experience, to Moses going back and leading the people out of Egypt leading them to the foot of Mount Sinai on their way to the promised land. And we have discovered that Moses is a pretty awesome guy. And there are many wonderful things to appreciate about Moses. His courage, his leadership skills, his obedience, his faith, his incredible patience and humility with people. Much to admire, but there's something about Moses that we should appreciate the most and desire the most for our own lives. And that was his incredibly intimate, special relationship with God. Moses had a relationship with God that was utterly unique In his day. So close. And we see that in our text. Look what we read in verse 7. It says Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. Far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. What an incredible relationship. Understand, this passage is happening at a big-time crisis in the life of the children of Israel. The children of Israel have just blown it big-time. We studied that last week. Moses had led them to the foot of Mount Sinai. God appeared to the people at the top of Mount Sinai, gave them the Ten Commandments. The people agreed to enter into a covenant relationship with God. Moses goes up to the top of the mountain 40 days, 40 nights getting more instructions. And the children of Israel below grow impatient. They construct an idol in the shape of a golden calf. They worship before it. They engage in all kinds of pagan revelry. They totally blew it. God sends Moses down the mountain. He throws down the stone tablets signifying that the covenant relationship is broken he destroys the golden calf there's judgment there's punishment for all of this there's big time trouble between Moses and the children of Israel things aren't good and even worse than that things are not good between God and the children of Israel all the plans are on hold the covenant has been broken The Lord has not agreed to go forward with his people to the promised land at this point. So it's a very tense situation. And in the midst of that tense situation characterized by sin and rebellion and judgment and all of that. Moses stands out as a man of God with a passion for God. Seeking to meet with God. Verse 7 says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. So this was his private tent that he would dwell in in the midst of the camp. Moses took that tent down, hiked it outside the camp, far from the camp, pitched the camp, the tent, and called that tent the tabernacle of meeting. Now that is not supposed to be confused with the actual tent of meeting, the tabernacle of meeting that Moses received blueprints for at the top of the mountain. That tent, that tabernacle was to be constructed in the middle of the camp, be a courtyard, a big tent with two compartments, the holy place, the holy of holies, all the furniture, the priests, the animal sacrifices, all of that. That hasn't been constructed yet. This tent was a private tent for Moses that he called his own private tabernacle of meeting. Moses wanted a private spot outside the hustle and bustle of camp life. Away from the rebellion and sin of the camp. His own place where he could meet with the Lord. There's no mention of God ever commanding him to do that. It's what he did. He wanted a spot where he would meet with God. The psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Moses had that passion. He thirsted for God. The psalmist says, my soul longs, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That was Moses' heart. He was a seeker of the Lord. And he makes this whole thing happen where he can seek the Lord. And the Bible says that that passion, that seeking, is rewarded. In Jeremiah chapter 29, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, ask and it will be given, seek and find, knock and it will be open. Everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks It will be open. If you seek God with a passion, you'll be rewarded. Moses was rewarded. How so? That beautiful relationship with God. Verse 9, it says, when Moses would enter the tabernacle, picture this in your mind, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door and the Lord talked with Moses. The presence of God would come down right before that tent door. Moses is inside and it says the Lord would talk with him. Verse 11 says, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Now this does not mean that Moses saw the face of God. In fact, later on in this chapter, God will tell Moses, no one can see my face and live. This is a Hebrew idiom. This is an expression suggesting complete openness and intimacy. God and Moses talked. Free, open communication between Moses and the Lord. We can only speculate as to what they spoke about. But no doubt they spoke about a lot of things. We do know one thing that Moses spoke to the Lord about inside that tent. He interceded for his people, he interceded for the children of Israel. And because of that intercession, the Lord would give the children of Israel a second chance, and they would go forward. This beautiful dialogue. And it says there that Moses and God essentially were friends. Friends. Enjoying one another's company. Moses enjoying the company of God, and God enjoying the company Of Moses. Moses. Enjoying an intimate friendship. With God. And you know really. If you think about friendship. That really. The best. When you think of friendship. At least when I do. I I think of enjoying. You know when you go out to coffee with a good friend. Did you do it for the coffee? No you went to hang out with your buddy. We go out to eat with. Good friends. Some of us vacation with good friends. We'll talk on the phone for hours with good friends. You open up with a friend. You're vulnerable. You vent with a friend. You cry with a friend. You laugh with a friend. You dream with a friend. You simply enjoy being with your friends. Moses had that. With God. Think of it. Best friends. And you notice in the passage that the tent, this tabernacle of meeting, sort of became like the focal point for the whole camp. The contact point for the whole camp. It was their contact with God. Moses would leave the camp and head out to that tent of meeting and everybody would get out come look out their front door and watch them go. They'd watch Moses go into the tabernacle and the pillar of cloud descend. And it says a lot of people would gaze at that and from their own front porches begin to worship. In verse seven, we even see that eventually people would even go outside the camp, leave the camp and approach that tent in seeking the Lord. It was contagious. And everyone would notice this special friendship that God had with Moses. In fact, later on you'll read that Moses would spend time with God in that tent and sometimes at the top of Mount Sinai. And his face would start shining. His skin started to glow. So much so that when he'd come back into the camp, he'd scare some people. And he had to start wearing a veil. Imagine being so close to God that the glory of God rubs off on you. How everyone would notice and how beautiful that was. That's what Moses had. And understand that very few had that kind of relationship with God in the Old Testament. There are a few. Abraham was called a friend of God. David. David, the Lord called David the man after my own heart. Boy, wouldn't you love to have a title like that? A man after God's own heart. I think Daniel and Joseph and others in the Old Testament Had that, but even among them, that relationship that Moses had with God is utterly unique. But that brings me to an amazing truth that I want you to understand this morning. That which was unique in the Old Testament is meant to be the common, normal, everyday experience for all of God's people in the New Testament. Did you know that? In other words, every Christian in the New Testament gets to enjoy a relationship with the Lord just like Moses had in the Old Testament. As Moses was the friend of God, so can you, my brother and sister in Christ, be the friend of God, enjoying intimate friendship and open One-on-one communication with him. In fact, that was the whole plan of God from the beginning. To restore friendship between himself and sinful man. Back in the Garden of Eden. God created us, put us in that garden. We had friendship with God. We had relationship with God. The Bible says that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the coolness of the day. They walked together. But sin blew it. Adam made a bad choice. He sinned against the Lord. Sin brought death and that's why there is sin In the human condition, sin separates us from God. Sin destroys the relationship that we were created to have with God. Sin puts us at odds with God. In fact, it puts us at enmity with God. But the Lord, from the very beginning, was working to restore friendship. And it began way at the beginning, right after the fall of man. Man, in Genesis chapter 3, God made a promise to Adam and Eve by the seed of the woman. I'm going to do something. We're going to break that power of Satan. And so from the very beginning, God promised a savior, someone who would come. You find out later as you go all the way through the Old Testament that the savior would come from the children of Abraham, the nation of Israel from the tribe of Judah, a son of David. The whole story of the Old Testament is how this Savior was going to come. The law under Moses was meant to be something that would push people towards a Savior. All of the different things of the law, like the priesthood and the sacrifices, and all that was meant to be a foreshadow of what would be accomplished By the Savior. And 2,000 years ago. The Savior showed up. God sent his only son. Jesus. Born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. God became man. And Jesus was sent. To restore. The broken relationship between God and sinful man. And he did so by offering himself up on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus said this to his disciples in the upper room. The night that he was about to be arrested, he spoke these words to his disciples. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. He went on to tell his disciples in the upper room. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. Instead I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. I've come to make you friends. I've come to bring you intimate relationship with God. And he did lay down his life. The Bible says he came to pay the price for the sins of the world. In God's plan, if a perfect, sinless, innocent substitute were willing to die in place of sinners, pay the price for sinners, God would take that sacrifice and would forgive the sinners on the basis of a perfect one dying in their place. Jesus did that. He went to the cross. We think so much about the pain that he suffered physically, but way worse was spiritually. All of my junk, all of my garbage, past, present, future, all of the sins of the human race was placed upon him. And he died in our place. He paid the price. And he rose again that third day. And he's alive. And he'll save you. And when he saves you, you become a friend of God. Entering into a personal, wonderful, intimate relationship with God. Bible says if you will place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you will admit that you've sinned, that you fall short, if you fall on your face before God and ask Jesus To be your Lord and Savior. To wash away all of your sins. He will do that. John chapter 1 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. If you do that, you become a child in the family of God. God becomes your heavenly father. You can speak to him in the most intimate of ways. You can call him Abba, Daddy, Father. You become filled with the Holy Spirit. You become a brand new creation in Christ. And you enter into that personal one-on-one relationship with God, which you're supposed to enjoy and pursue. We're told in Hebrews chapter 4 because of what Jesus has done. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you understand? Please understand this. Christianity is not to be seen as some dusty, old, crusty, formal, boring religion that compares with all the other religions, pick one. Jesus did not go through what he went through to make another religion for the human race to pick from. He went through what he went through to open up a personal relationship with God through faith in him. Do you have that? And this relationship with him is just as intimate, just as powerful as the one that God had with Moses. I want you to think about that. You're a friend of God. Do you spend time with him? You know, if you've been around church long, um, you'll hear about this discipline that we Christians call the quiet time. And this is this time where we choose every day to spend one-on-one time with God. You and God, one-on-one. You get that. You get to have that as a born-again Christian. I would say, you know, every morning, set aside 30 minutes to spend time with God. It'll change your whole life. You're going to need a place. You're going to need your own personal tabernacle of meeting. Moses had his tabernacle of meeting. When you study the life of Jesus, you find out that he would get up early in the morning and go off onto a hillside and spend time with the Father. But you need your place. Maybe it's a chair on the back porch. Maybe it's your office. Maybe it's a chair there in the bedroom. And you meet with the Lord. You know, I heard of a very busy successful Christian executive businessman. And he had a habit. He would get up super early in the morning and he would arrive at his office an hour before anyone else. And he'd go into his executive office, shut the door, turn off the phone. Now he didn't get there early to get a head start on the business for the day. He would get there an hour early every day to open his Bible and to pray and to turn that secular executive business office into a a private devotional center. He met with the Lord. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your father who's in the secret place, And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Same thing. Meeting with him. Now what happens during these quiet times? Well, really, we should call it a loud time. (laughs) Because there is literally dialogue. Dialogue between you and God. You're hearing from him. You know how you hear from God? You study. You read through the word of God. And you do it systematically. Don't wake up every morning and do that. Read through God's word systematically. There are these awesome through the year, through the Bible in a year books that you can, I've done that. There's been years where I just went through the New Testament. There's been years where I went through the Psalms. I don't put myself on any kind of, you know, I I just try to do things very systematically. I study books at a time. I study the Testaments at a time. And just day by day by day by day, read God's word and let him speak to you. and And read it prayerfully read it with this heart that says Lord here I am speak to me and he will speak to you he'll speak to you every day in some way he might give you direction for the day he might uncover something in your life that needs to change he will always reveal something about himself that is brand new to you there's always something that he's wanting to show And tell you. He'll meet with you. So you hear from him and then you talk to him in your prayer life. Now please don't let prayer be a presentation of your shopping list to God. No, as you're going through the Bible and... The whole thing is a time of prayer. You're hearing in the word. You're thinking and you're praying. And you you pray for loved ones from time to time. You, You pray for different things that are happening in your life. You bring it all up before the Lord. Spend time with him. Don't make it become a religious exercise. Some mechanical sort of thing that you check off your list every morning. You get to meet with God. You get to. You get to enjoy God as a friend. I would encourage you to make that a discipline in your life. In fact, I will go this far. I will say that is the secret to spiritual vitality and health in the life of every single Christian. In fact, that's where the glow will come from in your life. Now, you leave those prayer closets, you probably won't have to put a veil on your face. <laughs> You're not going to shine like Moses did. But I guarantee you this, your life will shine. God, people will see God all over your life. You will make an influence. You will be filled with strength to face the days of troubles. You will be filled with the joy of the Lord. You'll be filled with his peace. You'll be filled with faith and confidence in his presence. You'll be filled with wisdom. You'll be filled with power. As you meet with him daily, you will be reminded throughout the day, you'll be aware of his presence with you day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour in every situation. It's the single best thing you can do to have a healthy marriage. To be a good parent. To be good friends. To be a good witness for Jesus Christ. It all flows out of that. If you haven't made that effort to do that in your life, I want to encourage you to do it. You keep that appointment with the Lord every morning. Think about what Jesus went through so that you could have it. So keep that. And nothing, nothing will replace that. You can't substitute that. You can't say, well, I'm just gonna be super busy at church. I'm going to be busy at the soup kitchen or I'm going to be busy on the mission field. I'm going to work hard for the Lord and that's what I'm going to do and that's where I'm at. No, you need that devotional time. You need that nurturing, that growth. I think often of the words that Jesus spoke to the very busy church at Ephesus with a lots of busy Christians in it. It always serves as a warning to me and I think is a warning to our church, Jesus spoke these words to that church. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience. You've labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. That sounds like the most awesome church you could possibly attend laboring for the Lord nevertheless I have this against you you left your first love you left your first love remember therefore from where you've fallen repent do the first works. a relation Christianity is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ who is your first love your first love your best friend your Lord, your Savior, your King. And that has to be top priority in our lives. I encourage you. Enjoy friendship with God. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. If you're a born-again Christian here this morning, And maybe you've never uh, committed to this incredible time alone that you can have with God. I would, would, maybe for years you've been a Christian, but you've never done it. I'd encourage you to start it. And I, I ask that you would pray to have God help you do that this morning. Maybe you've been a Christian for many years and it was something that you used to do a lot, but you've sort of gotten away from it. Pray that you'll come back to it. might be here this morning or you're listening online and you never knew that you could have a personal relationship with God, a friendship with God. Maybe you always thought you had to be religious, you had to have some kind of religious thing going on in your life. I promise you, religion will never ever satisfy you. It'll frustrate you, if anything. It is that supernatural, spectacular, personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what we crave. That is what we need. And that is available. That's available. And you enter into that relationship with God through faith in Jesus. You, you come to Jesus. You place your faith and trust in him. You admit that you need him. You admit that your sins need to be forgiven. You thank him for dying in your place. You invite him to be your savior. You invite him to change you. You receive him and you'll become a child in the family of God. If you haven't done that, I want you to do it right now. Don't wait. You just cry out to God with a prayer like this in your heart. You speak to God. Say, Lord, God, I want to be friends. I want to be right with you. I want to be a child in your family. I want to be one of your people. And I thank you for the tremendous sacrifice that you made so that I could have that privilege. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and rising again. I admit my sinfulness, wash away all my sins. Be my Lord, my Savior. Come into my heart. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and help me to enjoy and grow in this relationship with you now and forever. stand.